0: What's going on, everybody? My name's Matt and you're listening to The LensPod. If this is your first time listening, we're a medical student-run podcast discussing all things ophthalmology. Today's episode is going to summarize our weekly newsletter where we discuss recent research in the field. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and be sure to stick around until the end for more information about where to find us.
1: Today is November 29th,
0: 2023. In this week's issue, we'll be covering four different articles. The first is that combination DSEC and phacoemulsification in Fuchs corneal dystrophy patients resulted in better visual acuity two years post-op and lower rates of graft failure than DMEC or DSEC alone. Secondly, we'll be discussing increasing rates of hospitalizations related to syphilitic uveitis and how important that condition is to not be forgotten on the differential for intraocular pathology. Next, we'll cover a new meta-analysis showing evidence that propranolol may be a good option for both prevention and treatment of retinopathy of prematurity. And finally, we'll discuss how attention to anterior chamber findings like carotid precipitates can aid in making the difficult diagnosis of vitreoretinal retinal lymphoma.
1: Our first article for the week comes from Ophthalmology. Does choice of procedure affect
0: visual outcomes? Fuchs endothelial corneal dystrophy, a bilateral degenerative corneal disease, has become the most common indication for a corneal transplant worldwide. Descemet Stripping Automated Endothelial Keratoplasty, or DSEC, and Descemet Membrane Endothelial Keratoplasty, DMEK, are two widely used corneal transplant procedures. In DMEK, the diseased endothelial cells and the Descemet membrane are replaced by the corresponding healthy tissue, whereas in DSEC, A thin portion of donor stroma is added. This study aimed to compare DMEC and DSEC with and without concomitant cataract surgery regarding visual acuity two years after the surgery. 1,167 participants were recruited from the Swedish Corneal Transplant Register and were divided into three comparable groups, DMEC, DSEC, and phacoemulsification plus DSEC. Visual acuity improved in over 90% of the patients within all three groups. Comparative results of this study showed that there was an improved visual acuity outcome and increased graft survival rate among the group that had phacoemulsification and DSEC combined. Long-term outcomes were affected less by choice of surgical intervention and more by additional demographic factors, including age at time of keratoplasty and previous health history. <laughs>
1: Our second article for the week comes from JAMA
0: Ophthalmology, Seeing More Syphilis. The incidence of syphilis cases is on the rise nationwide, and this trend is reflected in ophthalmology. In this retrospective, cross-sectional study, the researchers aimed to assess the national and regional occurrence of hospitalizations related to syphilitic uveitis in the United States. The study focused on inpatient admissions associated with a diagnosis of syphilitic uveitis between 2010 and 2019. Out of the initial analysis involving 444,674 patients, 5,581 hospitalizations related to syphilitic uveitis were identified. Demographic analysis revealed a disproportionate incidence of syphilitic uveitis-related hospitalizations among African Americans, 32% of the cohort, and individuals in the low household income quartile, 38.8% of the cohort. Notably, the rates of hospitalizations increased over the years, reaching the highest incidence in 2019 at 0.23 per 100,000 population. This data underscores the importance of considering syphilitic uveitis in the differential diagnosis for intraocular pathology. However, the study has significant limitations, notably its exclusive focus on hospitalizations with syphilitic uveitis and its inability to account for changes in electronic medical record coding that occurred during the study period. for the week comes from the American Journal of Ophthalmology. Propranolol and its role in the treatment of retinopathy of prematurity. Retinopathy of prematurity is a potentially blinding disease that affects thousands of infants annually. Normal fetal retinal physiology involves vascularization that begins in utero, which is driven by physiologic hypoxia. Premature birth creates early oxygen exposure, which disrupts normal vascular development. The growth of aberrant blood vessels in retinopathy of prematurity is largely driven by vascular endothelial growth factor or VEGF. The current treatment strategies for ROP involve neutralizing VEGF levels and laser photocoagulation. However, limitations of anti-VEGF therapy include severe adverse effects and the requirement of intraocular injections. Interestingly, it is also known that adrenergic receptors modulate VEGF levels. There is early data that oral and possibly topical beta blockers like propranolol, be effective in treating ROP. Researchers composed this meta-analysis involving eight studies that looked at the utilization of propranolol in the treatment of ROP. They found that propranolol use was associated with a decreased risk of disease progression in ROP compared to control groups, as well as a decreased risk of advanced disease. There was an increased risk of total adverse events in the treatment versus the control group. However, when looking at individual adverse effects, the results were not statistically significant for most outcomes there was no increased risk of death for the treatment group. Ultimately, propranolol has been used safely to treat many neonatal conditions. It is also a cost-effective and well-tolerated medication, and thus, oral propranolol should be considered as an option for prevention and treatment of retinopathy of prematurity in premature infants.
1: Our last article
0: for the week comes from the British Journal of Ophthalmology. What are the anterior segment findings in vitrioretinal lymphoma? Early recognition and diagnosis of vitrioretinal lymphoma is critical as it is a life threatening neoplasia. As a uveitic masquerade syndrome, diagnosis can be complex and challenging. Posterior segment manifestations have been clearly defined. Information on anterior segment features, though, is currently limited. In this retrospective analysis of 188 eyes with biopsy proven vitrioretinal lymphoma, researchers aimed to better define these characteristics. The most common manifestations were carotid precipitates in 91% of the eyes, with 60% described as dendritiform and 86% with a whitish creamy color. Caratic precipitates were more so distributed in a diffuse fashion rather than localized. On in vivo confocal microscopy, the most common carotid precipitate morphology was hyperreflective dots on the endothelium, which was found in 76% of the eyes. Other findings include anterior chamber cell, which was present in 93% of the eyes, which may present as more atypical due to documented larger size compared to inflammatory cells in anterior uveitis. This study demonstrates the importance of keeping vitreoretinal lymphoma in the differential diagnosis of uveitis and provides further guidance with regard to anterior segment findings. Researchers noted certain limitations including the retrospective nature of the study and subjectivity between clinicians when describing findings.
1: tuning into today's episode. If you
0: want to learn more about The Lens, you can follow us on Twitter at thelens underscore O-P-H, and be sure to visit our website at www.lensophthalmology.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters and view the full summary of this week's newsletter. See you next time.